0: There's been mixed reactions from around the world to the coup in Niger. Now we're gonna explore the reactions of the CNN, see who they've decided to bring on, how they react to this, how they analyze the news and react to their reaction. Let's get into it.
1: There are some people who do support President Bazum in Niger, but you have a lot of people who would rather have a military takeover would rather have the democratically elected president ousted if it means i undoing its ties to its former colonial power that's what people would rather which i find fascinating
0: uh, when she says she finds it fascinating she means completely shocking <laughs> completely shocking that you know unwilling aside the desire to untangle yourself from when is it? 1960, Nigeria got independence. It's now, we're now in 2023. So 63 years of, of post-colonial, you know, subjugation by the former colonial power. You know, the idea that the Nigerians would want to move
2: away from this is completely, what did she Sh- use? Shocking. Shocking, no, she said, she finds it fascinating. 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 That they want to break the yoke. <laughs> so people who've been chained all this time and when the moment they break the chain is fascinating. Like it should be expected. It should be fascinating that it has taken this long, maybe.
0: Yes, exactly. It's also fascinating that, you know, 63 years on, two thirds of people from Niger have no access to electricity. It's also fascinating that, you know, a third of their uranium um, supplied to France is from Niger, but it's the second poorest country in the world. It's also fascinating that it's also the second poorest country in the world. So how has it benefited from these so-called democratic process uh, that, that, that they're now trying to overturn.
3: So something else, I've noticed the kind of, say, obsession with uh, electoral democracy because she admits that, you know, there's plenty of people who showed up to support the military. But then again, kind of discards that method of, you know, exercising the democracy in favour of the ballot so i think it's it's dishonest for an american in wherever that place is washington yeah to like you know hold nigerians to a standard even americans themselves you know don't follow
2: And also the issue of like you know democracy like democracy as a concept on its own people have to understand say it should be a means to an end so just the electoral democracy where people get an opportunity to go to the ballot every five or four years if they're not seeing the actual material benefits their lives improving then you don't expect them to still want to respect the so-called tenets of democracy so somehow it reflects to say what are the conditions on the ground so that's what you should be looking to say what has driven people to disregard the much talked about democracy
3: and adding on to that like you know what's democracy you know the rule of the people for the people by the people when a government you know signs deals that give away uh, the country's resources for almost nothing to france the people don't benefit it that's not a government for the people so you know in a way that's not democracy but when people come and you know express their desire to see france leave and you have the military exercising the will of the people That sounds like more of democracy than showing up to the ballot every
0: five years, as uh, Anzala has said. Yeah, it's bourgeoisie democracy, and you know you can't eat the ballot paper. Uh, You need real development and real infrastructure. Let's get into this and see what else she's got to say.
1: Also on top of that, I mean, you know, France has said, listen, well, you know, we're gonna sort of limit our cooperation with Niger or sort of uh, re-evaluate our partnership with Niger when it comes to um, humanitarian aid and that sort of thing, which of course means that it's the poorest Nigerians that will suffer, Mm -hmm. but um, how hard is it to undo a coup? You know, France is obviously trying to wield a lot of financial pressure on Niger, hoping to turn the tide, but really, once a coup is done, I mean, aren't
4: we past the point of no return here? It's really challenging to say that right now. So so far, we are several days into this. The coup kicked off on Wednesday. No one has actually seen President Bazoum, other than a few uh, photos and some communications with folks like the Secretary of State here in the United States. Um, so because we haven't seen him, I think that there is potentially still conversations taking place inside the presidential palace with those who carried out the coup and with the folks who are still technically holding the reins of power. That said, I just want to go back to one of the comments you made about the popularity of the coup. Um, in Niamey. there is certainly a lot of chatter right now about whether this is popular or not. Outside Niamey, um, which is 18 million people and growing uh, in a 20 million person country, uh, you still have a lot of, it's It's very, there's a dichotomy of who's in support of the Bazoom administration and who's in support of the putschists So it really is split. Niamey just happens to be a lot of capital, um, me- the people who lived in the capital are political elites. And those political elites have always kind of had a lot of tension with Bazoom, someone who was always kind of perceived as a political outsider in many ways.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> political outsider in many ways, she hasn't even listed one. <laughs> so it would know, have been nice if you're going to bring up such a point. You need to back it up with a few examples of what makes him a political outsider.
3: And also, I've noting her first question is, how do we undo the coup? Not, you know. Why do Nigerian people support this coup? What has the French-Niger partnerships, uh, you know, held for the people of Niger? The first question of this liberal is, how do we undo the coup? Yes. Not even, you know, investigating the motivation behind the coup.
0: Yes, and she also said, well, now France is going to roll back on the partnership. So people from Niger are going to miss out. And yeah, you have to ask yourself, what type of partnership is it? When, when one party gets all the benefits and the other party loses out on, on every conceivable you know, aspect. It's the kind of partnership that you get between the rope and the hanging man. Yeah. Um, now, what I found most interesting about this is she says the people in Naimi are the political yeah. elites. Now, for a country that's the second poorest country in the world, that's a lot of political elites.
2: <laughs> so it means all those people we are seeing on the streets, the thousands, they are all from the political elite. Yeah, they're the, they're the middle classes, they all drove in. They all had drivers drive them in, yeah. park up,
3: <laughs> just show up. Yeah. and then just show up.
2: It's num- crazy. And also, number one, first of all, how would she know? Uh, yes. All, what do they say? The people in outside Niamey. Probably they are not in support of the coup. How does she know? So it's a whole issue. Don't you know, she works for a think tank? Oh, she works for a think tank? Works for a think tank in Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. Yes. She well, knows, she knows everything. Maybe she has been to Africa for a <laughs> safari, so that she knows, or she's got a friend from Africa, so she knows about these things. So it's also problematic of this issue of so-called experts, who are usually brought on these international channels. So most of the time they find, the, one, sometimes these people have never been to Africa. Two, these are people maybe they spent a month in Africa at some five-star hotel, they were meeting with local elites in the lobby and they had a few drinks, then they think that they're African experts. Because if CNN was really serious about getting a proper perspective, then Washington DC, where you've got, it's a melting pot of people from many different countries, they could have gotten someone from Niger or even one of the countries in the region, they're going to get a much better perspective. But I think certain people, they believe that probably Certain faces, I won't name what what criteria I'm using, they are much more qualified qualified to talk about these things. The public is much more likely to believe them than to get another person.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to bring it up, but since you brought it up, I have to. It's very interesting here that we have an African presenter interviewing a European American woman about a situation that's happened in Niger in West Africa. Mm You know, it's just fascinating. How is this person the qualified expert? I I, I, she, I I checked her bio before we came in, so she's the head of a so-called non-government organization based in Washington D.C. I have some suspic- my suspicion that it's not really non-government organization, and it has many links to the government. But who knows? I could be proven wrong. Let's watch the rest of this video and find out.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So it's it's mostly in the capital Niamey where we're seeing so a lot far. of the coup supporters. Fine. Okay, that's a good point that you just made there. So we're also seeing in the capital in Niamey where we're getting a lot of the pictures from um, a lot of people waving Russian flags. I mean, there is there does seem to be a sort of pivot happening among some people away from. France and I guess the United States as well. Obviously, we're talking about France here, um, and a pivot towards Russia. Um, Russia's obviously going to want to capitalize on the instability. What will they want from Niger in return? This is obviously a country that is rich in resources, especially when it comes to
4: uranium. Mm-hmm. And their upcoming oil production, which is supposed to boom, although that might be unfold given the coup.
0: <laughs> just sorry, just on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you hear the way she said that? well now you know that the, the oil production is going to stop because of the coup are
2: you guys sure you want to continue on this path mm-hmm. just the way that they just the little things that they drop them the... and one other thing i noticed when she talked about france people maybe not wanting france she didn't question what the french wanted from niger but because it's now russia one has to question to say what's in for the russians but for the west nobody questions them because they are I, their motivations are always pure, they've never colonized Africa, they've never looted African countries, so we, we shouldn't, yeah, they've never enslaved Africans, yeah. we've got no reason to be suspicious of the West, but the other powers, we should be suspicious of They're them. They're going to capitalize the insecurity, that's what she says. Yeah.
0: it's true, I never even thought about that, there's no at all aspect of what France tries to get out of Niger for not only the 63 years since it has been independence, but the whole period during the colonial era. It's not questioned. William.
3: Yeah, I mean, basically it's the Russian question. And you know, coming from the US, they obviously have their interests in Nigeria. They have the biggest drone base in Nigeria, part of AFRICOM, to safeguard American interests. The French are also there. Then question arises, look at the countries that are partnering with uh, Russia, Burkina Faso, Mali. You know, all of them, yes, they have an insurgency problem, but what drove them to going with Russia as a security partner. And just picking an example, uh, in Syria, after Assad was you know, faced with an ISIS onslaught, he called on the Russians, and today he has consolidated his position mm. as Syria's president, and his country is whole, due to the partnership, not like disqualifying the incredible sacrifices of the Syrians, but Russian help has also you know, played a part in them pushing back against the, the insurgents. Mm. So, if African people see that taking place, why wouldn't they want to replicate it here? Mm. Compare it to wherever the US or France has been. You know, there's a question, who has been saved by the West?
0: Mm. Great point, William. And yeah, let's just look at the other two countries that you just mentioned, Burkina Faso and Mali. Now, you know, over the last 12 months, they've taken steps to remove French influence in their country, and why have they done this? You know, people say, oh, they've kicked out French NGOs. They kicked out French NGOs because they realise these are, again, not non-government organisations. They're linked and working, you know, hand in hand with the French state to destabilise the country, to further justify the French presence in the region. They kicked out French media. They go, "How, how, stamping down on Freedom of Press. Again, the French media they kicked out, France 24, RFI. Uh, again, they were sit- France 24, I believe, interviewed a, the head of an insurgency. Al-Qaeda. An Al-Qaeda insurgency. That is, you know, killing people, slaughtering people, like sheep and goat on the streets and they give them a platform. They would never do that to anyone that committed a terrorist act in the West. Imagine, imagine Osama Bin Laden after 9-11, like, yeah. know, probably on a Zoom call on CNN. Yeah.
3: Well, what's happening here? Or yeah. any
0: people that, you know, part of the Paris uh, terrorist attacks. Yeah. If you found like, you know, their, their supporters or, or, or part of the group of their terrorist cell being interviewed on the BBC, they'd, they'd, have, they'd, they'd be super upset. So, you know, this is all very important context completely and purposely ignored by the mainstream media. And and again, in Niger, it's a similar thing. They think that, okay, we have this insurgency problem. France has been saying it's been fighting this insurgency problem. The U.S. is saying it's been supporting us with this insurgency problem. Yet we see no gains. Leave alone no gains, it's actually gotten worse.
3: In 2003, there were 23 deaths as a result of terrorism. Last year, it was 7,900 you have the Americans there with a hundred million dollar drone base and uh, 1,000 military personnel there, you have the French there with 1,500 people, yet 7,900 Nigerians died last year from terrorism. So, you know, if you have these foreign powers on your soil with the sole purpose of stopping terrorist, you know, victims, or stopping people from dying as a result of terrorism, you have to ask yourself questions, you know, what's what's not happening because i mean if you take another example take somalia for example Uh, al-shabab came into you know uh, prominence in 2006 after the u.s encouraged ethiopia to invade somalia that's what led to the rise of al-shabab and since then supposedly u.s and their local partners uganda kenya have you know supposedly been in somalia to fight al-shabab for over 14 years this group is you know only growing
0: yeah so yeah let's look let's look further afield afghanistan <laughs> they went into afghanistan <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
0: not just handed over the country taliban made them one of the best well-equipped armies oh, in the world yeah. Left and and no disrespect to the people of afghanistan or to the taliban i don't want to be on their hit list mm-hmm. but you saw the taliban fighters in the gym Not knowing how to use the machines. (laughs) Not knowing how to use the machines. So these guys were there, you know, at the expense of billions and billions of dollars. Thousands of lives. Thousands of lives. Hundreds of thousands, actually. Yes. And, you know, all of the statistics regarding, you know, women's rights were worsened during their time. You know, uh, drug exports, uh, opium, all these things went through the roof which the Taliban, um, you know, had, had actually brought down and regulated. So all of the statistics that they went in there to try solve got worse over their time and they leave the country in a worse situation than what they found it. So it's no, there's no, you know, it's quite obvious why Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso, Guinea, you know, they see what's going on in the global arena. They can see that these Western powers, when they say they're coming in to help, Always have ulterior motives. Always want to maintain a presence, a foothold in your country. Control how your country is governed. Control who you have military alliances with. Control who you have economic alliances
2: with. And basically, continue colonialism by a different means. And I think also there's one aspect, like where these countries which have got a huge defense industry. So when, like, if they were to nip the insurgents in the bud, it means certain people will stop earning money yes. from the equipment that they are selling. So you cannot trust a carpenter who makes coffins when he gives you a herbal remedy. Oh. So you yeah, are going to question because it's in his interest that you die so that your family can buy a coffin from him. Definitely, yeah. definitely.
0: Great point. I've got a feeling that this goose has got more eggs to give us still. So let's keep playing.
4: <laughs> um not again not fully clear it's also there is I just want to caveat and say that there is absolutely no evidence right now that Russia is uh behind this there is no evidence they fomented this similar to Mali but and they want to Faso. capitalize on it yes they'd of course they want to capitalize on it right, right. Um, nice think, nice um, little correction there if I but could they guess, want to capitalize um, on it when I you wanted to make sure that that was that I think um If I could guess from when I used to work for the State Department, I was based in Niger. Aha!
0: (laughs) Ding (laughs) ding 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 ding! Yeah,
3: we have it folks.
0: Uh, Houston, we have liftoff.
3: Yeah, so let me, let me, let me me just start. Go for it, go for it. Uh, So we have a former employee of the State Department speaking about Niger and potential Russian interests in the region. You know, I cannot say for sure the Russian interest there, but I'll speak to the role of the State Department in like the wider narrative uh, creation. Because uh, take the NED, for example, when you go to the National site,
0: Endowment for Democracy. Yes,
3: yes, when you go to their site, it says it's a non-governmental
0: organization. organization yeah.
3: But it gets its funding from Congress. And further, it's a CIA cutout, which, you know, uh, same as USA, they could come to a place See, you're protesting about say you know cost of living and whatever totally legitimate case of course but they just hijack the movement so that should a resolution be found they'll be exactly where they need to be to like you know steward the future so if say there's a protest and they you know plant one of their leaders there should negotiations come it's their leader that's going to negotiate with their interests in mind. So just bringing that out, that the State Department should be seen as this neutral party.
2: Yes, yes. And if I may, so you know, there's also an issue of projection. Because sometimes I think she thinks other countries does what the US does. They are, like you've seen, they can be genuine protests in a certain country. Then they are always looking for loopholes on how they are going to jump in and so they can insert themselves into the equation. And sometimes, at least for, for maybe Russia, if it jumps at the opportunity, it's different from the U.S. who actually manufacture false crisis sometimes. We've seen it in Latin America, in certain countries in the Middle East and, and the like. So literally, they manufacture crisis so that they can just have an entry hall to get into the country and change the political system and to put to install their puppets.
0: Yeah, I just want to make a point. So very interesting what you said about National Endowment for Democracy, and it's worth stating that the founder of the National Endowment for Democracy says, we do now what the CIA used to do covertly as an expert from a so-called non-government organisation, again, it speaks to, was there no one from Niger or from the Sahel or from West Africa that you could have got to be objective? We're constantly told that CNN, BBC, these are the standard bearers for journalism, yeah. but that they, they get someone who has vested interest, a dog in the fight, Afrikan's biggest presence is in Niger. You know, the CIA drone programme, its headquarters, is in Niger. And yet they get someone who's clearly partisan on the issue. So they don't even try to hide the fact. It's just, you know, they put it on their website. And just like, just like this, this uh, NGO director, she says she's an NGO director. But, you know, four minutes 56 into the interview,
3: no, she's admitting. She's, from the, State she's from the
0: State Department. I've got a feeling she's going to admit a lot more because she's got, she's got the ball rolling now. So let's see what else she has to say.
4: I would guess that uh, Russia sees Niger as a um, huge linchpin in the region that has always been kind of our um, our bulwark of stability. We put a lot of investments in Niger, not just in and humanitarian, but massive amounts of security investments as well. And if Russia can so easily undo that for us as in the U.S. and Western security partners.
0: She took the dot out of the U.S. Now it's just us.
2: Yeah, clearly, you know, like <laughs> the last few sequences, whatever she talked about had nothing to do with the interests of the people of Niger. She's talking about the massive security investments they've made and how Russia is going to undo them and how it would disadvantage the US. So she doesn't care about the people of Niger, those 18 million people outside the army who she so much <laughs> believes that they are against the coup. It now clearly shows that she doesn't care about those. It's about us. Yeah, it's about us. It's about us. Three
4: partners. That
1: would be a huge loss. Mm-hmm. For us. <laughs> and when it comes to just the, you know, ordinary everyday Nigerians who, I mean, you know, that that country is one of the poorest, not just in the world, but you know, one of the poorest in Africa. Despite mm-hmm. being rich in so many resources, you, you talked about obviously them.
0: Hey, did you hear that? not just in the world. Uh, Nigeria is not just one of the poorest countries in the world, but in Africa, as if Africa is separate to the world, and if Africa is poorer indicator than the world. Newsflash sister, if you're the second poorest country in the world then of course you're going to be one of the poorest countries in Africa. <laughs>
3: and also something about the obsession with you know American investments in Niger. What nature of investments are we talking about? $500 million since 2012 to go into security matters. Basically, you know, funding Niger's military puppet military or puppet government. But the real or the root cause of insecurity in the Sahel is economic disempowerment. Mm. If these youth who are in Niger, who are in ISIS and Al-Qaeda right now, if they had stuff to do, if they had fulfilling lives, there will be no need to join, you know, these armed groups. But the reason they joined them is because there are no economic opportunities for 100%. them. But 100%. it's not in the interest of these Western powers, France included, to address the root cause
0: of Niger's insecurity. Yeah, I mean, Al Qaeda don't go recruiting in Beverly Hills <laughs> yeah. or you know in West uh, wealthy parts of London. Um, I've not been to the wealthy parts of London, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. they don't go to the wealthy parts to recruit. You know, uh, they go to the poor, disenfranchised, marginalised youth that have nothing to lose anyway, and say, "Come join us." You're going to get loads of money, you're going to get loads of adventure, a lot more than what's going on right and
2: now. And it gives a bit of a purpose, you know, you feel that you are living for yeah. something yes. because then... Yeah. And just speaking on the
3: Russian interest in Africa, Russia has interest in Africa, so does France, so does the US, so does the US and China, all of them have an interest in Africa. So the question will be, how do our interests align? Mm. African interest and Western interests do not go along in any way because we've had a history. 400 years of colonization, subjugation, robbery, slavery, all that. China has been in contact with Africa since the 1400s, the 1300s. So they didn't come and take slaves. We used to do business. In the coast of Kenya, for example, there were discoveries of coins from India and China as, you know, ranging back hundreds of years. So it's not new that Africa has been engaging with the outside world. The question will be, What does Africa benefit from engaging with the outside world? Take China, for example. Africa's got infrastructure, roads, schools, all that stuff that will build the productive capacity of Africans. But what has the West given Africa 400 years after knowing them?
0: Yeah, I mean, they'll say, well, you speak French. But to, to to whose benefit is that I, I wish I didn't. <laughs> That's all.
1: Yeah. Despite mm-hmm. being rich in so many resources. You you talked about obviously them um, working towards oil production as well. But despite being so rich in uranium, it is one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, what happens to the average, ordinary Nigerian if France and
3: She says despite having uranium, Nigeria is among the poorest countries in the, and leaves it at that. No further, you know, interrogation yet. yeah. You know, why does Niger have all this uranium, yeah. seventh biggest producer in the world, yet still is the poorest country in the world? And if she asks that question, I'm sure she'll find that France is not, you know, as clean as she'd like to believe. Yeah, good
0: point.
1: The United States say, well, listen, now that there's been this uh, coup, now that President Brazum, who was our partner, who we trusted, has been ousted, we're not going to provide this country with as much aid or military assistance. Obviously, Islamic insurgency is also a massive problem across the Sahel as well.
4: Right. um, So immediate effect is it's possible. As France has said, that a lot of humanitarian aid will stop. Uh, the US will not stop its humanitarian aid, or at least there's no indication of that we typically separate our security assistance from humanitarian development programs. That will obviously impact the most vulnerable groups. You have a huge refugee and internally displaced population in Niger. There's always communities that are in need of humanitarian assistance. Obviously, that will have a visceral impact on them um in the long term i don't necessarily see a huge shift um we again we can look at mali and burkina faso burkina faso is its own problem set obviously but the people in northern mali i you know aside from the jihadist insurgency which is huge there uh, the access to humanitarian aid and livelihoods hasn't exactly changed unless there's actual conflict from jihadists now where there's huge confusion and where i would point everyone to right now is that in the absence of clarity about who's in charge in terms of governance and security, the jihadists, specifically the Al-Qaeda line, JNIM, and the Islamic State in the Sahel province that are operating in Tilbury, which is just a few kilometers northeast, northwest of uh, the capital city, Niamey. Um, those groups know how to take advantage of that governance and security gap, and they regularly exploit it for their gain. That's how they recruit locally. If they carried an attack right now and security forces fled because they weren't getting an authorization from anyone in charge to, you know, go forward and do force protection, then that's a huge win for jihadists Mm -hmm. and a huge loss, not just for Niger's credibility, but obviously for the rest of us who are looking at this region and seeing it as the last remaining bulwark of stability in West Africa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't have too much of a problem with her analysis, mm-hmm. apart from how she ended. You know, this is a problem for us. Again, US minus the dots is what she's talking about, because it affects the stability in West Africa. Um, something that they see as their region of influence that has been stable. Now, you've got to interrogate stability at what cost? Yeah. So people have been stably and poor. consistently poor? is that fine
2: stuff in your house but quietly <laughs> that's the kind <laughs> of stability they love don't make noise about it and even
0: by
3: whatever metrics they use as i stated in 2003 23 people died from terror attacks last year it was 7,900. so who has Nigeria been stable for definitely not the people of Nigeria. it hasn't caused them problems is what i mean
2: that's what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah that's what they mean and one other point you know she talks about how the military taking over is going to it's now a security threat she said they're going to be disorganized how to respond to these attacks terror attacks possible terror attacks but the thing to say that she said people don't know who is in charge i mean maybe her she doesn't know who's in charge <laughs> but i think everyone else including the people in Niger, they know who is in charge yes. and the military they've been at the forefront of fighting these these insurgents so if there are people who are in a better position to make decisions on how to deal with the insurgents it's the people who are sitting in the in the presidential palace right now. So if anything, I see that they probably the fight against insurgents it's going to be more streamlined. Yes.
3: Also, remember before Traoré became president of uh, Burkina Faso, he was in the front lines. He led a battalion. So, I mean, it's it's dishonest to put it mildly.
0: Yeah. So he will know what the soldiers need. You know, reinforcements. What's, yeah. what's, what's what's stopping them? Equipment-wise, community logistics all of that plus consider consider you know the stated motive for the coup
3: you know the deteriorating security situation despite you know constant knowledge that we have this issue the government in place had done nothing that is what inspired the military to take over the government
0: sure so let's wrap up you know the coup just happened happened you know less than a week ago so still early days however the early signs are there that People underground in Niger support this coup, despite what this so-called expert says. Uh, she hasn't given us any material or research that we can we can refer to that says outside of the capital people are not supporting the coup. And and it just find it fascinating the way the corporate Western mainstream media all know where their interests lie when it comes to these things. They've, they've basically been reading off the same hymn sheet saying the same stuff not even been bothered to find Niger's to parrot their lines. Usually they find a local actor, you know, blackface, mm-hmm. to say the things that they want to say. they have not even bothered to do they this. They don't
2: even care anymore.
0: So, you know, I'm, it, this is really for the audience. It, we can't really say anything to CNN. CNN are going to be CNN. <laughs> a scorpion stings because it's a scorpion. They're going to do the same things. This is really to the audience. Be wary. Whenever there's an incident that happens in the international arena, particularly in Africa, and you see all the mainstream media, the corporate media, condemning this as the worst thing in the world. But you see people on the ground celebrating this. Decide whose side and the fence you're on. And, that, and that's probably how I should end this one, unless you got something else. Sure, sure. I mean, just uh, highlighting the
3: outsized influence of organizations such as CNN, BBC. You know, the world being under America's hegemony means their cultural exports are also, like, you know, really high. That means you know, for Africa's middle class, CNN is what they want to watch when they would, like, want to understand global politics. So like, imagine the brain rot such an interview will cause to Africans who follow CNN.
0: Mm. Yeah. So it's probably a reason to follow African Stream. <laughs> and we'll end on that note. Thank you very much. Until next time, we've been African Stream, and this has been a reaction video. Peace out.